0: This is a Saddleback Church Podcast.
1: There's an underlying fact that we don't like to talk about. We all struggle with something. For some, the the struggle may seem easier to identify. Alcohol, substance abuse, pornography, gambling. But there are many other ways in which we struggle. Anger, pride, codependency, and so on. The Bible tells us many times to take inventory of your life, to check your heart, to hold the Bible up as a mirror. And if we are honest with ourselves, these self-assessments will point back areas in your life that need work, because there are always areas that we can be growing in. But often, we may be confronted with a struggle and just say, hmm, I should work on that, and then go about our regular lives unaffected. But friends, there is a way to not just address these hurts, hang-ups, and habits that you recognize in your life, but to experience recovery from them. My guests today are Johnny and Jenny Baker, the global directors of Celebrate Recovery. In this conversation, Johnny and Jenny share very openly about their own recovery journeys, about the power of Celebrate recovery as a discipleship process, and why the vast majority of people in CR are not there because of an alcohol or drug-related issue. Because instead, freedom can be found for any form of hurt, hang-up, and habit. My name is Jason Wheeland, and this is Doable Discipleship, a Saddleback Church podcast, part of the Saddleback family of podcasts. Now, my conversation with Johnny and Jenny Baker. Johnny and Jenny, thank you so much for joining me today. Really appreciate your time. Thanks for having us.
0: Thanks. I'm excited to be here.
1: Uh, Johnny, so it's been a few years uh, since we've had you on this podcast. No fault of your own. (laughs) Fault was ours (laughs) that it's been a little bit of time. We've had you on twice before. I remember the very first uh, time that we had you on, I think we called the episode, it was something like like the art of self-defense or something like that. And it was a really funny title, but it was, it was about CR and we were talking about that a little bit in that. And then we had you on to talk about your book, the road to freedom. And, um, so I'm thrilled to have you back. So for those, um, who may not be aware, could you give an overview of what a CR is, what celebrate recovery is, and
2: even just a little bit of your own story your own journey with celebrate yeah, recovery sure and thanks again for having me back yeah. and really enjoyed those last two times and glad to have jenny here with me this time too but yeah celebrate recovery is um a christ-centered 12-step program where we take the actual words of jesus and the christ centered 12 steps or eight principles that kind of work together to help us have a systematic approach to overcoming our hurts hang-ups and our habits and it's been around since 1991 it's in thirty-seven thousand churches all over the world, something like nineteen languages and stuff. And it was founded here at Saddleback, and yeah. so um, it's been a it's been an amazing, amazing journey. Love it. Yeah. And you've been involved with it from an early stage because your dad was the founder of. Yeah, it. Yeah, my parents are the founders, and along with Pastor Rick, and um, it started out, out of um, our family's pain. Yeah. And um, my dad was an alcoholic, and um, he. My parents got separated for about 13 months and my dad worked on his uh, sobriety and actually got sober through alcoholics anonymous yeah. and came back here to church with us when they reconciled and something that we never thought would happen um and he heard pastor rick and he said man i'm home and then looked around and said there's got to be other people in a church our size who are struggling with some of the things that i'm struggling with yeah so he wrote rick a letter just outlining the vision of what celebrate recovery would be thinking he'd find somebody a pastor on staff or somebody to run it and he found himself in rick's office and he said great do it and then celebrate recovery was born and so i became the first teenage leader (laughs) of it and went through it as a teenager and then years later um after jenny and i had gotten married and um we were pregnant with our first child i realized that my alcoholism had gotten out of control as well and so i um came to celebrate recovery and uh began my my sobriety journey then
1: yeah that's um, that's amazing, and now you and Jenny lead the global Celebrate Recovery ministry. That's right, which has been incredible.
2: Yeah, it's been a blessing to do that together.
1: I I, I love that, and for, and for anybody who's listening who who may not have picked up on this, is this is a Christ centered recovery program. Those it does exist. Yeah. You know, I, I think you know for people who just aren't aware. You know, you that there's this assumption if you have an, an issue, then you can go to something like AA or you can go to something like NA or whatever it is. But there are Christ-centered options. And Celebrate Recovery is for is, you know, I'm a little bit biased, but it's the best.
2: (laughs) And just to be clear too, I appreciate that. You know, we we back AA and NA, all those groups that they do really good work, helping people get and stay sober in their areas of of struggle. What we love about Celebrate Recovery is it's not for one particular area. So only about a third of the people who attend Celebrate Recovery have a chemical addiction issue. Most people who attend have a wide variety of other struggles. And we all go through the same material together. And, and the biggest difference, as you said, is Jesus Christ being the higher power. Yeah. And so we know that he is the one who gives us freedom and restoration and healing from those hurts, hangups and habits.
1: I was, I was, I was I mean, I'm glad that you mentioned the hurts, hangups and habits. Cause I was just going to say like, it covers that whole array. If there's anything in that kind of category, hurts, hangups or habits. Now I've always wondered why it was hurts, hangups and habits, not hurts, habits and hangups. But anyway, that's, that's there's, a different.
0: That's a really great question. Actually. There's a reason. For
1: <laughs> is it. there a story there?
0: Well, there, there is, there is a reason, um, should we go ahead and get into that? Yeah, please. (laughs) So we say hurts, hangups and habits, and there is a pathway, right? Hurts happen first Mm. and they create um, hangups. And I like to think of hangups as, uh, belief systems, what you believe about yourself, um, what you may believe about the world or others. Yeah. And then. Um, and then habits. So the habits are the last things that create, those okay. are behaviors.
1: So there's intention there. And I love that. Okay. <laughs> that makes
2: sense. And now I'm all aboard.
0: I was always like, okay, why is it? Yeah. Why yeah. is
1: the
2: hang anyway, that makes yeah. perfect sense. The, yeah. the key there too, by the way, is the focus on hurts. Yeah. So The Bible yes. says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, yeah. which means we've all hurt people and we've all been hurt by people. Mm. And so the thing is, is there may be a listener going, Oh God, I don't have to pay attention to this because I don't qualify for Celebrate recovery. Yeah. Well, if you've ever hurt somebody or been hurt by somebody, you qualify. Yeah. And so many of our issues, so many of the ways that we respond to things have to do with hurt. And so if we can address those hurts, not just through Celebrate Recovery, but through counseling and through some other care, you know, pathways, that's really the way that we're going to find healing.
1: Mm. I I. I, I, I Absolutely love that. I am going to keep fawning over CR as we're doing <laughs> as we're talking. <laughs> Jenny, um, so 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 when did your story with CR start and and maybe even how has it changed or grown over time?
0: I love that. So Johnny got in um, and I don't think you mentioned this, and I kept trying to get you to look at me so I could you. <laughs> you have 19 years sobriety, yes. which I think is really really great. So Johnny got in as an adult 19 years ago yeah. um, for his struggle with alcohol. And we were married at the time. And uh, once he got in, he started saying to me, Jenny, you probably struggle with codependency. And I was like, don't tell me. You don't need <laughs> to tell me what I struggle with, what my problems are, what my issues are. Mind your own business. Um, but I finally got into recovery nine years after Johnny got into recovery for himself. And what happened is the pain of pretending that I had it all together, that I was okay, that I was managing well, um, became bigger and greater than my fear of being honest. Mm-hmm about my struggles and how i was really truly feeling and i also had a fear that i just didn't know why i needed recovery like i knew i wanted to get into recovery but i thought you had to know why you were mm. getting into recovery to get into recovery meaning i thought you had to have a specific struggle that you could identify to get in whereas i only knew that i just was in a lot of pain yeah i had a lot of pain in my past like when johnny got into recovery he knew he was struggling with alcohol and so it was like Okay, you can identify. I didn't know how to identify. I just again, like I said, I knew I was in a lot of pain. And ten years ago, at the Celebrate Recovery Summit, which is our yearly conference that we'll talk about, in a yeah, bit, it's coming
1: up soon. So yeah, it's we'll coming come up back in to July, yeah. yeah,
0: which I'm really really excited about. But ten years ago, um, I had made the decision at our conference at the summit to step into recovery for myself. I had been attending for a couple of years, just as Johnny's wife, and yeah. and I loved it. Our kids would come, we loved it, but. Um, I wasn't there for my own recovery journey. I just was there on the sidelines, kind of on the outside, watching everybody and going, I want what they have. And 10 years ago, the Holy Spirit finally got a hold of me and was like, look what they have. They have healing and freedom Mm. that you don't have. And I desperately wanted it. So it was 10 years ago at the summit that I decided to finally step in to recovery for myself. Mm. Um, Again, because just... I just knew that I had a lot of pain and, and wounds of my childhood that um, that I needed to heal from. And yeah. and so how it's changed and grown is I got into recovery. And uh, we have these things called issue pamphlets that are on our website that help you kind of they give you an idea of some of the reasons that people attend recovery and yeah. what that struggle can look like. And so I read through those and it helped me go. It helped me to realize, okay, I can name some of my struggles, which now when I identify, I identify as someone who struggles with codependency. And I'm also an adult child of family dysfunction, which just means I grew up in a dysfunctional home with a lot of chaos and hurt and pain.
1: Yeah, that's incredible. Can you talk for a minute about that idea of how you identify yourself? Because that's, that, that's a, a really important Marker of how CR does things a little differently. Yes,
0: you're right. And so I will tell you how I identify on a Friday night or to celebrate recovery. I'll say, hi, my name is Jenny and I'm a grateful believer or I'm a child of God Mm -hmm. who struggles with codependency or I'm an adult child of family dysfunction. Mm. And we do it specifically that way because we want to first um, acknowledge that our identity is in Christ. I am a grateful believer or I am a child of God. That is who I am. That is my identity, not my struggle. And then we say, and I struggle with. Yeah, um, And so that it's very intentional so that we very clearly state, I am a child of God. That is where my identity is. That is my value is there. And this is why I am here. This is what I struggle with. Yeah.
1: Uh, Johnny, I've heard, I've heard, and we actually talked about this on this podcast that I did uh, a few weeks ago with Rob Jacobs on, on the idea of the wall, the dark night of the soul. Um, he said, for him... And that Celebrate Recovery was this discipleship program that he went through to help him break through the wall. Yeah. And I, I just love that idea of CR as a discipleship journey. How does, how does it pave itself
2: as a discipleship journey? Yeah, it's funny. Cause we used to say the secret of the, like kind of the dirty secret about Celebrate Recovery is it's a discipleship program in yeah. disguise, right? Because. <laughs> um, when you, you know, that's for some people, they want discipleship and other people are just like, I want to get rid of this stuff. You know, but if you think about, if you think about what a disciple is, somebody who follows Jesus and someone who's striving to be more like him, Mm. what recovery does is it points out those things in us that are keeping us from that. They point out those sins that entangle us and those things that hold us back, like Hebrews says, and we're able to, to see those things. And then it's one thing to see them, but sometimes that can actually make it worse, right? You, you see a problem, but there's no way to fix it. Mm-hmm. What recovery does is it helps us see that day by day there are ways that we can address those things and then we can find freedom from them. And then when we find freedom that allows us to fully step into that person that God has created us to be. And so it's really a, a, a systematic approach, like I said earlier, like identify the issue yeah. and say it out loud so that first that first thing we do is we realize we're not God and we admit that we're powerless. And that's such an important thing. And most people are like, well, I I know that I know I'm not God, but we act like we're God in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. And so how can we be disciples of him when we're trying to be him? And so what we're able to do is break these things down in a way that we learn. Oh, every day, I need to be in the word. That's one of our principles is that we reserve a daily time with God. Mm. We learned every day that we need to keep short accounts and make amends and offer forgiveness when not one time a year, but when we realize, oh shoot, I hurt that person. I need to make amends right now. Mm. Or I've been holding a grudge against this person. I need to forgive right now. And we're able to put the words of Jesus into practice every day. And again, go, go somewhere, there's so many people, and, and I would say that we're, we're two of them, that would look at the people we were when we started recovery mm-hmm. to the people we are now. And I don't recognize that guy mm. from, from the beginning. And so um, to me, that's the, the power of recovery is that it's all, and, and, and again, we can't overstate how important it is that Jesus is the center of our recovery. He's the foundation our recovery yeah. everything we do is built on a relationship with him the program doesn't heal you yeah the groups don't heal you mm-hmm. the groups are ways that jesus is using mm. to help us find healing but he does the work yeah. he does all the healing and really what recovery does is it helps us realize oh there are so many things i need him in and so i go to him in so many different ways and it becomes a beautiful relationship
1: i love that because like, we see a lot in scripture these places yeah. of uh, are these calls to take inventory of your heart? Are these mm. calls to hold up the Bible as a mirror to yourself to be able to, you know, be corrected by, to be able to be directed by? And so often that can lead us to these places where we can see our faults, we can see our shortcomings, we can see our issues, our hurts. And we can, and then unfortunately, so often we find ourselves in this place of going, uh, okay, well, I recognize that. And I guess I'll try to be better at that. but what CR does is it offers this place. It's like we have a place to be intentional about that is we have a place where you can come and you can be open about, you know, these things that you are going through, that there are other people who are going through them too. And then, and then you have this process through these 12 different steps. And uh, I love to hear you talk about those a little bit and what that looks like, um, where you can, as you said, not just, Wait for the program to change you, but it 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 shows you where Jesus is with you in this, and just it's always that encouragement to point back.
0: I, I love that. So I'll talk a little bit about my favorite step. Yeah, and then you can come in and Johnny's shaking, <laughs> and you can't see it. He's shaking so his head because he thinks it's hilarious. <laughs> this is my my favorite step, but the fourth step is my favorite step, okay. and th- that's basically the step where you take the. Fearless and searching moral inventory of your life. Mm. So um, you had asked me, what does my journey of recovery kind of look like? And this fourth step kind of encompasses a lot of that. I got into recovery and once I was able to identify, I struggle with codependency. Mm -hmm. I thought recovery is all about stopping that behavior. Mm. Like I think a lot of times people get into recovery because they want to stop a behavior that is they feel stuck in and is unhealthy. It's
1: like going to obedience school like I have yeah. to I have to learn and be trained to stop doing this yes thing.
0: right and so as I started doing this fourth step I realized that the behavior is just a symptom of the hurt that's really really underneath and so this fourth step helps you get to the root causes it helps you go back to the original pain and the underlying events that help like we said that those hurts those hang-ups and those habits and the fourth step is broken up into five columns which I love and that first column is um, go back as far in your childhood or as far in your life as you can and and start naming um, people or places that hurt you and you you go through this list and it start with the person or the place and then you write out what happened and then you go to how did I feel about it Mm -hmm. and then you go okay then what did I begin to believe about myself or other people or the world what was the damage as a result of it and then the last part is and then what was my part. And mm. so a lot of people come for that last column, right? That my part is, uh, so I drank or I control. Um, I people pleasers for myself. Some of the things that I have had victory over is uh, people pleasing, mm. control, anger. Um, I have, I have a temper. And so anger is uh, something that I had to work on. Yeah. Um,
2: Don't look at me. I'm not going to
3: say anything
0: <laughs> <enough>. <laughs> uh, sarcasm, manipulation, um, a and lot of these things, and
1: these are things that you could identify as yes. you've been working through these things, and then, and then, what was my part in it? Th- mm-hmm. th- that's the stuff where it starts to bring out, like, okay, I can see how these things. But that's yeah. the important point: is it doesn't start with, or I'm mean, sorry, it doesn't end there because yes. what you're doing is going back and looking yes. at those root causes. Yes, what what has led to this, and yes. then be able to, you know, try to reconcile with with a past issue, with it, a family of uh, of origin issue or whatever yes, it was. exactly.
0: You see those cycles of dysfunction, those generational cycles of dysfunction, and that's where you can go, okay, I'm gonna stop that. Yeah. But um, it's when I, that four step is what helped me realize that I hadn't processed or actually even grieved a lot of the pain of my past, mm-hmm. and that that was still very much affecting my choices and my beliefs in my current adult yeah. life. And so I was able to go back heal those, grieve, which a lot, going to therapy, by the way, therapy and Celebrate Recovery work beautifully together. That's a common question I get is, can you do therapy and Celebrate Recovery at the same time? Yes, please. (laughs) I do it. I do it in conjunction all the time. It's a really beautiful partnership, the two together. Yeah,
2: and I would say too, what's important about this is there's a couple of things. So one is that we try to keep our inventories balanced. Mm -hmm. So there's we try to write good things that happened to us as well and good things that we did as well, just to kind of help us see that nobody is all bad. Yeah, yeah. Nobody is all good. Right. Some people need to write a few more extra, well, here's how I did the wrong thing (laughs) here because it's you know, um and some people need to concentrate on, well, yeah, I was hurt, but I also here's how I was helped in these Mm -hmm. areas or here's how I was formed in those areas. Because it isn't about blaming. It's about explaining. Mm -hmm. It isn't about looking at somebody or something in your past and being able to say, well, because this person did this, now i have screwed up the rest of my life, or everything I've done is this person's fault. But it is to to say, wow, this was the belief I had about myself Mm. as a child, as a young adult, as whatever. And because of that, it changes the way that I behave. Mm -hmm. So then I can take that identity to Jesus and say, Jesus, I've always believed that I'm X. Mm but I don't think that that's true. Yeah. So help me see myself the way you see me and help me act from that tra- that idea rather than this hurt part of me
0: yeah. mm-hmm. who's trying
2: to what, whatever that thing is. And it really allows us to have that freedom because as you said, sober recovery isn't about behavior modification. For a lot of us when we start, that's what we want. Mm-hmm. I wanna stop drinking, I wanna stop looking at things online, I wanna stop spending money. I want to start eating healthier or stop eating so bad. I want to, whatever those things are, I want to stop controlling people in my lives. Mm -hmm. And so we think what my problem is the behavior. So help me modify this behavior. But what we learn is that if we modify the behavior, but we don't have transformation, we'll just find a new behavior. Yeah. And that's called, we, we often talk about that as cross addiction. Unfortunately, it's not being addicted to going to the cross. It's, 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 it's crossing over into new areas of addiction. So yeah. somebody will stop drinking and they gain a bunch of weight because they start eating or they start they stop overeating and they start you know overexercising or whatever the thing mm-hmm. is. And instead what we really want, instead of behavior modification, is we want revelation that leads to transformation. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so that's really what Celebrate Recovery, at when it's done really well, yeah, that's really what it leads to, and I do give Jenny a hard time about liking the fourth step so much because for many people that's where they quit. Yeah, it's hard. It's a hard process going through that fourth step, and um, if if anybody listening to this has ever done it, they they're right now they're going yes, yeah. Johnny, it's really hard. <laughs> and so well, the first time she told me it was her favorite part, I actually laughed And yeah. I thought she was joking because <laughs> I like, no, never no, no, heard anybody serious. say <laughs> that before. But then her explanation of some of the things that she had learned mm. and why that became her favorite part actually. I'd done it for, like she said, 10 years or so before she got involved, so I'd done this a number of times, and that completely transformed the way that I look at the four-step now, Mm. and even the daily inventory that we do later, which is just kind of a running tally of some of these things. Instead of thinking of it as like a punishment, as like, what can I learn about myself from this thing, and what can I bring to Jesus and get closer again in that discipleship way? There's another thing of me I can bring to him and find healing.
1: Well, I love the idea because it's 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 stripping away the things that aren't going to help you, right? It's not focusing on blame. That's not the point of the inventory is, is to look at all the ways that you can blame other people for these Mm -hmm. issues. It's not even focusing on shame. It's not saying that you are these issues and it's taking that away. And instead it's focusing on what it is that's actually going to help you grow, to lead you to Jesus, to lead you into this Recovery stage. So I, I just lo- I love that it takes away the things that so often we find ourselves doing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, naturally, right? It, it, it can come up very natural to try to cast off. You know, it's not my fault. It's you know this fault or whatever it is, yep. um, or to do the opposite and just say I'm I'm the worst. Everything is bad. I can never do good.
2: And I do want to say just quickly for anybody who's suffered abuse, physical, mental, sexual yeah. abuse in any of those ways. We very clearly want to make sure that they yes. know that is not their fault, <laughs> yes. you know, and so that we even have them write that in mm-hmm. their inventory is not my fault because yes. so many people, survivors of abuse, really own it. Oh, sure. They really think there's something with, I I deserved that. Mm. And so I just, I, I hear you and yeah, for 99% of us, I, <laughs> I'm right there with you, but I always just think about no, that's that important. person who, who hears this and goes... Okay, you know, and, and who does feel shame over the abuse or does feel like they're whole, they're carrying some of it? And I just want to say to you, if you're listening to this and you've had that experience, that was not your fault. You didn't deserve it, and that you know, my heart and and yeah. and I believe God's heart breaks yeah. for people who are in that place. So I didn't mean 100%. to make it sound no. Like please, weird. I'm just, glad you're I just thinking about that because oh, no,
1: always yeah. important. Mm. <laughs> we always want to make sure that that is crystal clear. Yeah. Definitely. Yes. Jenny, I wanted to ask you what it, it's something I've, I've I've talked about a few times now on this podcast is what is something that I've been noticing in the younger generation mm-hmm. and something that we've been admiring is their willingness to kind of be more open and more vulnerable than maybe what we've seen from older generations it, oh. or even even from how I grew up. It's you know, it's this idea that I can I can acknowledge my shortcomings, and that's okay. I can acknowledge yeah. my issues. I talk a lot about, you know, I've mentioned a few times, if you're just listening, I'm going to say it again. We had this night of worship a couple months ago, and we did this moment of confession mm-hmm. where we invited people up to the front to confess. And what? And there was a large number of younger people who did that, and they were just really embracing that moment. Yeah. And so I've just, I, and I, I love the way that C.R., really focuses on helping people with authenticity mm-hmm. with vulnerability why are those such important traits and how would a cr kind of help to spur that on
0: well i think personally as somebody going through recovery authenticity and vulnerability is important because honesty has to be there in order to heal Um, I know that uh, in the beginning, when I would go to therapy in the very beginning, before I got into recovery, I I went into therapy with the sole purpose of um, faking my way through it and having the therapist validate this fake version of myself that Mm. I was presenting, like walking out so I could go, look, I am healthy because the therapist (laughs) says I'm healthy, that I'm healthy. But it wasn't until I got into recovery, and I was willing to be completely honest, and I felt safe. I think safety is a big important is a big important part of being able to be vulnerable and honest. Is do you feel safe? Mm. And so one thing that Celebrate Recovery values highly is safety. It's a safe program where you can come and be completely honest. One of our guidelines is that we don't try to fix each other. We're not experts. We're just fellow people. Who are broken and sinners, and we're all coming to the same place, saying, "I am struggling, I'm hurting, I'm in pain, I need to work on myself," and so that helps create this place of safety. But when it comes to um, vulnerability and honesty from the stage, yeah. I can say that uh, personally, I am drawn to leaders who are going to be honest, who are going to yeah. stand up and say i struggle and if some if somebody gets up on stage and says i struggle i lean forward in my seat because Mm. i'm like i can learn from you if somebody wants to get up and present themselves themselves as an expert i have a harder time with that i can't relate if you're going to be perfect then i can't relate to you because i am so not a perfect person but Mm. if somebody stands up and says i struggle then then i lean forward and i'm like oh i can learn from you Because if you struggle and look what God has done for you, then that means he can do that for me because I'm a broken person as well. And I know that when I started teaching on stage for Celebrate Recovery and having to um, write my own talks and just teach, there was so much responsibility in there um, and a lot of fear of like, I am not, I'm not a teacher. This feels too big. And then I realized, you know what? I'm only called to get up and be obedient and share what God has done for me in my life. And so... Once you start sharing vulnerably and authentic, um, authentically, it's kind of addicting. Mm. I, you know, being in Celebrate Recovery, before Celebrate Recovery, um, I hid my emotions, I hid everything about myself because I thought that made me a burden. Sure. Then I get into Celebrate Recovery and and I find a safe place to share and be honest. And now I find I, I am an oversharer. I'll meet a stranger <laughs> on the street and I'm like, you wanna know my story? Here's Here are yeah. all my <laughs> thoughts and feelings on that. And so, um, it, it kind of, it gets addicting and it's, I find that when I am, my favorite thing to do is give my testimony. Mm -hmm. Um, because it's like, here are all of my problems. Here are all of my struggles. Here are all the things I, 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 I hurt and the ways that I, um, I struggle. And then I get to go with, but look what God has done for me. Look what he has done. If he can do that for me, then he can do that for you. I think, there's so much power in authenticity and vulnerability,
2: yeah, And it, it cuts through a lot of stuff too, because all of a sudden you realize that when I bring my whole self and you bring your whole self, we end up having a relationship that's so much deeper than my fake yeah. everything's okay self and your everything's okay self. And it kind of gets to your point about being addicting. Yeah. I don't want to hang out with people who aren't going to be real. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to be around people. And I think you know our daughter is in that next generation who who she values that authenticity like you're talking about. And I think there's something really beautiful about that because if if that generation can kind of lead the way of saying, hey, let's not play this anymore. Let's not pretend anymore, but let's be who we really are. Um, can really, that could be a, a, a groundswell movement that could really have some far-reaching implications. So I'm excited to see if they can keep that up.
1: Well, and one thing that I think I've noticed too is it seems like it leads to such joy. Oh my gosh, like, yeah. like I would... I would maybe put out there that the people who go to the Friday night CR here at Talbot, you know, are the most joyful bunch of people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and there's just something that is so palpable about that.
2: That idea of being known, I think is a big part of it. I think, Mm -hmm. I think that idea that I am known in this group, all warts and all, like the ugliest parts of me I've exposed in this group and I'm still loved. Like we have a thing that when you're done sharing, um no matter what you say you get three to five minutes to share uninterrupted nobody can comment on your sharing when it's over and you can say the ugliest stuff known (laughs) to man and we're gonna clap and say thanks for sharing yeah and there's something about like some we've been in groups where you know we do men with men women with women so i'll be in a group where a man just cries for three minutes and then his time is up and he says thanks for letting me share and there's just something so beautiful about that and i think there's something about that thanks thanks for sharing that is, um, like I said, it's not, I don't have to fool you. Yeah. I don't have to fool you here. I can just bring who I am here. And that does, that gives us a sense of like, oh, I, I'm welcome and I'm wanted in this group of people. And I think that there is something really joyful about, and it's so weird because it's so uncomfortable at first, but being exposed, yeah. a lot of people, when they come to recovery for the first time, they're like I, the first time I shared, I felt naked because I felt like I had to just expose these parts of my life that I was keeping hidden from everybody for so long. And I always say my favorite phrase before a share, whether it's in a group or over a cup of coffee, is when somebody will say, I've never said this before, Mm -hmm. or I've never told anyone this before. Because whatever follows those words, that's where the healing is going to begin. Whatever that thing is, they've never had the courage to say to somebody before. And when they do that and I get to be a part of it, I feel so honored. Because it's like, oh, good, I get to be a part of loving you because you're going to feel real bad about it. You're going to say something you're going to feel like, oh, no, I'm about to be smacked down when I say this. And instead, you can get acceptance. And it's, I think that that creates joy. Like, oh, I got rid of this thing that I've been carrying for so long.
0: Well, I think one of the um, ways the enemy can attack us the most is to make us feel like you're the only one who feels that way. You're the only one who struggles with that. Yeah. Look how bad you are that you struggle with that. But when you go to celebrate recovery or anywhere and you open up and you say, I struggle with this, but then you hear someone else say me too, or you don't even open up yet and you see somebody stand up on stage or share in a group that they struggle with something and it speaks right to what you're struggling with, that just annihilates the enemy's lie right there. And you're like, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. I'm not the only one who struggles with this. And then it can give you the courage to then share your struggle. So it's, and, and, and another thing I want to mention is when you talk about that joy, uh, that when you find freedom and healing in your life and that joy, um, going back to the summit, which is the conference that we have for celebrate recovery every year. Uh, like I mentioned, that's what got me into recovery. And I just want to say that one of my favorite parts of our conference is the worship hands down. It's the worship. I have never been in a worship experience quite like it to be in a room full of thousands of people who have, um, felt captive and enslaved to addictions and shame and pain, and then to, to feel loved unconditionally by our, our Heavenly Father and yeah. to know that, to truly know that, and to be free from all of those things is an experience. To see people worship in that is an experience I've never, I've never experienced before. And it is that worship experience which has made me realize where the Holy Spirit got my attention and showed me do you see Jenny? They have a healing and freedom that you don't have yet, but I want you to have that. And God wants that for every single one of us. He wants every single one of us to have that freedom and healing in our
1: lives. Yeah, it seems like there's a key word there with freedom. Yes. That's why you have your book title, "The Road to Freedom. <laughs> exactly. And there's so much power in that because that's what that's what people are expressing and just rejoicing in and yeah. praising God for, is feeling that freedom. And for them, it's this palpable sense because of the recovery issues that they have been walking through yeah. and they can they can name that thing and they can claim it and it's not that there isn't you know obviously there is freedom available you know, like through christ for yes. for, for all believers yes. but for people who have walked through this recovery is they can they have that testimony and I, I I love if you could talk a little bit um about that idea of cr as this witness to the world it, to me it's such a strong witness Mm -hmm. and and the way that people operate with it and and, and the way that they have their testimonies. And it goes back to the vulnerability thing is they feel a bit more comfortable to be able to to offer their testimony in that way or or, or whatnot. But it seems like it's just this it's this incredible vehicle for for witnessing to the world of what God can do in people's lives.
2: Yeah. Something you just said to made me think about this, Jason, is that you're right. That freedom is for all believers, right? That yeah. if the sun sets you free. You're free, indeed. So if you've accepted Jesus, that's already happened. I think it's one thing to be free, and there's another way, uh, another part of living, living, living in it mm-hmm. and knowing it. You know, and that's just that I love that because I think sometimes um, I look at Scripture where it says you're pure and holy in God's yeah. Son. I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm not. You, you know, you know me, God is like no, but I choose that anyway. Yeah, and what a beautiful thing that can be. And so I think for a lot of us, that's that's so good. You're free, yeah. But do you know it? Are you living like it? Yeah. You know. So what? A, what a great thing. But yeah, I think for Celebrate recovery, I think as a witness, um, it it is a really powerful tool for what we may call outreach or or witness or something because it, it gets you to that that he, that healed person mm. who is healed by Jesus who wants to invite other people to find the same healing. So it's it's the you know it's it's the experience of you know i i don't i don't know why i just i was blind and now i see so come to this person yeah and and i think a lot about the woman at the well yeah and when jesus kind of just lays bare her life right she comes and i don't have a husband you're right to say that he just he just knows everything about her Mm because he's jesus Mm -hmm. and so she goes and grabs all the people from the village Mm -hmm. and brings them to jesus and then she has this powerful phrase she says "Come come and see come and see And I think what folks in Celebrate Recovery can do is they can say, "I don't know, I don't know why it worked. I don't know why. I, but come and see, come and see what happened for me. Come and see, and bring yourself to this same thing and give it a shot." We always say, "Give it six weeks." Yeah, give it six weeks. People in recovery, we we want it to be a microwave. We want to put our issues in there, hit thirty <laughs> seconds, and be better. But it's really like a barbecue, right? It takes yeah. slow and slow. It takes some time. So give it six weeks, and um, and see if it if it if it feels right and and take a chance and and share a little of yourself and and see what happens because I think what will happen is if it's anything like what's happened for us you'll get a taste of that change and then like I did with Jenny I had gotten into recovery and I'd I'd started to see freedom over this area and I Diagnosed her and I said, Hey, <laughs> I think you're a codependent, you know. And which typically you know, I shouldn't have done, but you know, but, but I think it's we a, don't it's, recommend it's, a that. it's a natural thing when you get in recovery. It's sort of like when you find out your Enneagram number. Yeah. And you start talking to somebody like, Oh, you're a three. I know I you're an- it. Yeah, you know, exactly. it's like that kind of thing. It's the same thing in recovery. You're kind of like, Oh, you've said it three times now that you're whatever. I think you might struggle. You know, what I mean? it's <laughs> just like this kind of armchair thing. But I do think a lot of it really is come find the freedom i have found come taste this and see how good it feels and all those kinds of things and and come experience this joy
0: yeah i think being a witness to the world i think nothing is as powerful as personal experience let me tell you what 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 jesus has done for me and like i said giving my testimony is one of my favorite things i remember when i gave it the first time eight years ago i think Nine years ago was the first time I gave my testimony. Mm. And I remember being terrified. Sure. Nine years later, I'm like, who wants to hear my testimony? You, you, <laughs> want, me, you want me to give you my testimony? I love Walking
1: it. down the street on the corner, you! Yeah, exactly. hey, you, hear you something? Want, to hear my, yeah.
0: want to hear my story? <laughs> <laughs> I love it.
1: I, I, I have have one more question, and then, and then we can talk about next steps for people who may be wanting to give CR that try that you were just yeah. talking about. How does CR... Um, help people grow in their relationships? And just even for you guys, how is your relationship now different than it was 10 years ago before your journey started?
0: Okay, I I love this question. Um, This is actually the great question. Um, So we have these five small group guidelines. There are things that we adhere to in our open share groups and in our step studies. And uh, one of those is, um, well, I think all of them, together actually helped me become a better listener Mm. so uh, a verse that kept popping up uh in my first step study over and over again is james 119 be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to anger which i'll be completely honest was flip-flopped of how i had run i had operated in my life always Mm. quick to anger quick to speak and very very slow to listen Mm. and so that verse it kept coming up over and over and over again and um and so just by sitting through open share groups by sitting sitting through step studies where the majority of the time you do share but if you're in a if you're in an open share group it's an hour long you have three to five minutes to share that means the other 55 minutes you're sitting there listening
1: yeah
0: and you're not fixing and as a codependent somebody who struggles with codependency and um control is something that's really and i'm very opinionated i want to tell you how i can fix your life let me just tell you you do these three steps and so being in celebrate recovery has taught me no that's not how you do it you, you listen you're quick to listen and slow to speak and so that's one way specifically that celebrate recovery has helped to me
2: yeah i think too when you realize that you as an individual need understanding you need somebody to slow down and go wait i not gonna read like I think it prepares you to give that to other people as well yeah to say like oh you know when I when I'm acting out of my weakness I want somebody to be able to say oh I know why you're acting that way mm-hmm. and and not say you're you're a bad person but hey I see the pain I see mm-hmm. that what's flared that up and so it's helped k- to kind of say hey we're in a conflict right now what's happening like why why you know and and to slow down and go oh I see I see I see where she, where her past pain is being triggered by something I'm doing. Yeah. Or, you know, um, oh I've I've hurt her and I'm acting like I made amends. Like I said, I'm sorry, but I actually haven't said those words yet. Yeah. And so I'm acting like everything's okay, but I haven't apologized and she's waiting. Mm. She's waiting for me to apologize, you know, and so cause so that I can address it and, and the other way around. I, yeah. I don't I don't like to always sound like it's always me, but most of the time it is. But but I like this oh. idea. <laughs> I like this idea. You know, this idea is, though, is that, like, there's times where I want to act like everything's fine. Yeah, I know I hurt her, but, you know, we're we're okay. And really slowing down and going, no, I'm going to make that amends promptly. I realize I did something wrong. I wish step 10 said that if you, um, if you are wrong, eventually admit it. But it says when, when you are wrong, promptly admit it, which is a bummer. And so, um, <laughs> but it really does help to say instead of letting... The sun go down on this and day yeah. after day after day to go, man, I was wrong. And I didn't realize it until just about half an hour ago. And but I was wrong and I'm sorry. And then amends and forgiveness can be quicker that way because because um resentment doesn't have time to build up in yeah. those moments. And so I'd like to say we get it right every time we don't. But I think that this has helped and, and I would say also those guidelines I once you start getting used to the guidelines, I wish everybody used them all. Like, I wish you couldn't have a conversation where we didn't have the guidelines. I, I've had mm. friends
0: bring them to their dinner table. <clears throat> yeah. And they'll read them out to their dinner oh, table nice. and their family.
2: Yeah. This is <laughs> what <laughs> we're
0: doing. Are, yep. are, they're yep.
2: five sim- really simple statements that the, the whole reason is to keep the group safe. But what it does is it allows me to share without being interrupted. Nobody can comment on what I said, nobody can fix me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and nobody's gonna say what I said in that circle. No one's gonna tell anybody else. And so there's something just really powerful about that. And it isn't like we go, time for conflict, here are the guidelines. But I think when we can slow down and say, oh, right, I'm gonna listen, I'm yeah. not gonna interrupt. I have three or four things I could say to this, but instead I'm gonna let her finish then, you know, that allows us to kind of get to those things a little
0: bit better. Mm, to practice that better yeah. listening. And it's interesting, when I got into recovery, this is something I didn't quite understand until I did, but it gave us a common language yeah. um, that we could have conversations. And we were both working on recovery together so we could understand each other a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But I, wanna, I just want to speak to anybody who may be the only one in their family in recovery, and they might feel alone in that. And I just want to encourage you and say you can still make a major impact on your family, even generations to come, even if you're the only person in your family in recovery because there is so much power in cleaning up your side of the street. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I mean by that is owning owning your part in it, healing your wounds and your past trauma and your past pain, and owning um, what your what your part is and what's going on and being quick to apologize. Even if nobody else in your family is working on their own stuff, they will see you, working on your own stuff, they will see you healing. Yeah. They will see you apologizing faster. And that will make a huge impact. You can make a huge impact on your family and affect all of your relationships, even if you're the only one that you know who is in recovery.
1: And I just love that. It seems like it's such a empathy growing place. Mm-hmm. Like it's that's a huge part of it. I, even that idea of having to sit and listen to people for 55 minutes of the hour or whatever it mm-hmm. is, you know, it gives you that opportunity because you could just sit there and just kind of tune out and be bored, you know, whatever. But if you're, if you choose to focus in and you say, "This is an opportunity for me to truly love this person, mm-hmm. to look at them, and have compassion on them," like Jesus, as we saw, Jesus, he looked at the crowd and he had compassion on them. And then, and you can even take that time to be praying for them as you're talking about it. It's an opportunity to love, and then that's something that you can carry then over as you are growing in empathy for yourself and growing in empathy for what other people in learning about all these different struggles that people have, because it's such a place to open your eyes to, to all of the different types of ways that people struggle. And then you can have that empathy that you can bring into your family, into your friends, Mm -hmm. into your workplace. And you can just create the, it's this, and it can really be a culture starter, even if you don't see yeah. immediate fruit growing from that or whatever it is. It's still it's still planting those seeds, and it's still set. It's it's doing your part to set a culture, and you know it, it's such a powerful way to just own that and to just name yeah.
2: that. Yeah, I think everybody's fighting a battle you know nothing about. Yeah, you know, and I think in our TikTok Instagram culture, where we put our highlights out for everybody to see, and we hide the broken parts of ourselves away it's easy to look at people and just go, man, their life is so good. <laughs> and, and and so when he acts that way, he's just a jerk. Yeah. you know. Or when she talks to me that way, she's just whatever. And I think instead what what a Celebrate Recovery does, like you said, with the empathy, is to kind of slow down her once in a while and go, everybody is fighting a battle I know nothing
0: about. Yeah.
2: Everybody has hurts, hangups, and habits that I don't know about. So when I drive in traffic, I'm important. So I cut you off. It means you know you should let me go. When you cut me off, that's just the jerk who's driving. No, that guy's fighting a battle. I don't know anything about. Yeah. And I think it really does help. And I'll be honest with you, Jason. For as many years as we've done Celebrate recovery, there are a lot of nights where I've been in groups and I'm just kind of waiting for the time to end. sure I'm not listening. Um, but the times where I've really slowed down and listened to the men share, not only am I giving them something but they're giving to me as well yeah. because I'm learning from their experiences. I'm learning their victories when they have victories. One of my favorite things that we get to do in celebrate recovery is we get to brag on God and say how we've grown and changed Yeah. in the Christian world. That's not humility, right? Well, we're bragging on what God has that's done. Right. And so we go a year ago, this is what I was like. But today somebody offered me this and I just walked right by and didn't even think about it. And, and that's what we're celebrating, yeah. right? And I also get to hear from people who are maybe behind me who haven't been in recovery as long. And they're giving to me by reminding me what some of those days were like Mm. and that's to me i think a lot about that especially my chematic group as relapse prevention Mm. because i'll hear somebody who's brand new and they're struggling and they're fighting and i'm so proud of them but i also go i don't want to go back to those days yeah i don't want to go back to those first 30 days where i was so it was so rough and and so um i think that that you can get so much out of that where um So many of us think it's my three to five minutes that matter, it's the time I'm sharing that matter, but really that listening, it it makes it so much better. Even like with our kids, our kids, they'll be telling me something Mm -hmm. and I've been able to stop fixing right away <laughs> yeah. and just slow down yeah. long enough to let them talk and, and, and pray for them while they're sharing, Espe- yeah. you know, especially when there's high, big feelings and that kind of thing. And sometimes the feelings are directed at me. Sometimes <laughs> I'm just in the room yes. while the feelings are going <laughs> off, but being able to sit and just pray for them and just think like, what, what is she really saying? What is he really saying? What's going on here? And not always fix things. You know, one of my favorite things with our kids is I'll go, is this a, Hey dad, give me advice moment or is this a yep. hey dad just listen moment mm-hmm. and i love that moment yeah. because i ruin it so much by trying to go to the advanced uh, advice moment but i think that practice of being in groups where you're not allowed to you know there's times where guys would share and i'm like oh i can make this so much easier for you, <laughs> if you just did these three things that i could tell mm-hmm. you to do it's not my job mm-hmm. you know and so it helps you know it's helped me in in those other relationships as well work relationships everywhere if we can apply these things that we to our lives, then it becomes about life recovery, not just this area, again, of behavior modification.
1: So we've talked a little bit about the conference that's coming up. Mm -hmm. So what are some key ways that people can um, start to, you know, dip their toes into CR if they're so inclined after listening to this, which I I hope
0: you are. I love it. So we actually have a new component of yeah. celebrate recovery that we just started i want to say in january or february of 2023 which is we have a now an online recovery meeting mm. so if you want to dip your toe in and see a little bit of what celebrate recovery is like uh, on wednesdays at 12 o'clock pacific time we have online recovery meetings over zoom oh, and so if you and you can find that by going to celebraterecovery.com, and you'll find a link where you can uh, You can email them; they'll email, email you the zoom link to join the meeting, but it's a really great way to step in and see what it's like. Sometimes it feels a little safer. I mean, it takes a lot of bravery to walk into the doors of a celebrate recovery for the first night. And so this is a way to kind of step in and maybe feel a little bit more anonymous and just see what the program is like. Mm. I I have loved it. Jai and I are both on there every Wednesday, um, So that's one way you can step in.
2: Yeah, and I think the website is the first place, CelebrateRecovery.com. And and what's great is there's a find a group section that you can go to. You can put in your zip code and it'll spit out all the CRs in your area. As you said,
1: there's like 30 something thousand. And
2: and also if you go to that and you put in your zip code and you for some reason don't have any, there's another thing called find your state rep. Mm. We've got hundreds of these volunteers all over the world who who, um, serve to try to help get CR started and growing and also help get people plugged in so if you can't find one in your area find the state rep in your area and he or she may find one that's not currently on the website yet or that's in you know whatever it is and help you get plugged in yeah um and um yeah I think oh we we also have a podcast that's available yes Mm -hmm. and so people can listen to that and kind of hear some things from from um some of our, our leaders and different folks who are in recovery
0: so. yeah, and it's celebrate recovery podcast Yep.
2: all the links
1: for everything we're talking about will be in the show Pretty notes awesome. to this right. episode
2: and i think too if you're somebody listening to this and you're having this poll of like man I, I want to i just don't know if i can or like jenny said it takes a lot of courage we, we often say the longest walk that i ever took was from my car to the front door of celebrate recovery and mm-hmm. then getting through those front doors mm-hmm. And so I get that, we we know that. We know there are people who show up here at Lake Forest on Friday nights and they can't get out of their cars for weeks and yeah. they just keep driving here and they can't, you know, and, and so all those things. And so if you're somebody who you're listening to this and you're feeling this pull of like, man, I want some of that freedom. I want that life change. I want that uh, ability to be authentic and be around people who are authentic. I know no better way of doing that than getting started in Celebrate Recovery. So yeah. find when you're in your area, find a friend that can go with you um, and uh, start the journey. Because I know that on the other side of this, you're going to look and you're going to go, man, I've never met anybody who's regretted the journey Yeah, that way.
0: Yeah. Another option is um, Celebrate Recovery Summit. Yeah. Which is the summit, like I said, I attended for years, not even as a participant in Celebrate Recovery. Um, My only experience with Celebrate Recovery would be when I would go to the summit. I wasn't joining on a Friday night or any Mm -hmm. large groups any other time. And so you don't have to be a participant in Celebrate Recovery already to come to the Celebrate Recovery Summit. Yeah. It, it's it's going to be three days. It's July 19th through the 21st. It's going to be at Saddleback Church in Lake Forest. Mm-hmm. And we have a couple of overflow seats available. But the really great thing is we have online as yeah. well. And so we are, we are broadcasting this online. It's only $47 to join online, which is a really great deal. You get three days. You get all of the main stage talks. And you get... Um, for four four workshops included as well. Oh, cool. And so it's not a training. You don't have to, like I said, you don't have to be in Celebrate Recovery to come. You can be just curious about recovery.
1: Yeah. Um, it's yeah. a great
0: way to come and hear about it.
1: Uh, amazing group of speakers. I think you both are speaking. Is that yeah. what I saw? We, yes. Um, Andy and Stacey Wood are speaking. Yes. There's breakout groups led by Megan Greider, who's been on this podcast a few times, yep. by Joy Hurlow, who's been on this podcast. Yep. And so um, definitely make sure to check out uh, all the information about the su- uh, about the summit coming up in July. Yes, uh, Johnny, Jenny, thank you so much for your Jason, time. Thanks so much. Really for having appreciate us. Yeah, it. Thanks I'm for just-
0: having us. It was fun.
1: I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Johnny and Jenny. Now, here are some key, doable takeaways from this episode. First, dip your toe in the recovery water by checking out the online s- support group that Jenny was talking about that meets on Wednesdays. Second, find a CR group in your area. As we mentioned, CR is found all over the world. So likely there is one by you. And if not, as Johnny mentioned, then you can connect with a state rep who can point you in the right direction. Third, sign up for the CR summit happening on July 19th through 21st. Now, links to all of these steps are available in the show notes for this episode. I've also included links to a few previous episodes of this podcast that we had done with Johnny Baker. And I've included links as well to Johnny's book, The Road to Freedom, and his dad's book, Life's Healing Choices. Friends, this has been another episode of Doable Discipleship. We love you, and we'll be back with you again next Tuesday.
3: to visit saddleback.com slash doable to check out all of our previous episodes and go to saddleback.com slash grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events lastly you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com send us your thoughts send us your questions your bible questions your life questions whatever who knows your question might just inspire an upcoming episode Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Jason Whelan, and I hope you'll join us again next week.